Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hello and welcome back to the How to Get an Alex Job podcast. So Hal is running a few minutes behind and I just didn't want to be late because I see that we have quite a few people already showing up in the live stream chat. So we got Jason, oh, having some coffee and he's saying good morning nerds. Also, I cannot pronounce that name. That is a very long name, but Full circle. Yeah. So Al is coming back. Um, it's really interesting to see how things have changed within, I would say, probably the last year or so of just, it seems like LinkedIn is always updating um, their algorithm and the new, new different tactics. Um, one also, another interesting insight is that I'm now starting to partner with Ian. Um, who has blown up within the last, say, six months. So he has garnered a following of just under 30,000 in six months, which has been just huge. And he's starting to actually come on and work with me in Greensboro College on the analytics apprenticeship. So Ian actually broke into analytics without a degree. And I think he's an excellent addition to the team. So, um, you know, because I've got a master's degree and I'm seven years in at this point. So I'm starting to feel a little bit out of touch. Um, oh, awesome. Raj, welcome. So we're, we're waiting on Al right now. He's running a couple minutes behind. Um, let me make sure that he has 
the link. Let me add him. I'll send it to him on LinkedIn. So feel free to start asking some questions and I can um, pull them up while we buy a little bit of time for Al. Awesome. Cool. Uh, so McCool, uh, McCool, I guess that's how you say that. McCool Raj, welcome. Uh, Defying Odds, Donnelly. You guys and your YouTube names are hilarious. Good morning. Thanks for uh, joining the live stream. Oh, Stony, you haven't been on in a while. How have you been? Uh, you'll be the most aware when you teach and do the work in the industry. <sighs> yes, but what's interesting is that I am I'm, I'm feeling increasingly like removed from people who are just entering the space because I, I I've developed so much intuition over the last seven years. Um, on that note, I've actually started doing jujitsu just to kind of remind myself of what it's like to be in that beginner's mindset and like have no idea. I mean, I'm getting choked out like twice a week right now, which I think is good for my ego. Cause um, if you guys have been following the podcast for a while, you know that uh, instead of imposter syndrome, I have the opposite problem of delusions of grandeur from time to time. Also, Fernando, welcome. Awesome. All right, let me text out and just make sure that he saw the link. Jason, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you agree that, that you think that's cool. BJ, uh, so Stoney saying BJ is an amazing, great workout. Um, I'll let you take the chokeouts. Well, I mean, it's interesting in that. Um, so my instructor has, I think like 12 years in the space and seeing like the nuances of how he knows how to do everything. It's like, it's like magic, like seeing just how the nuances and then how it all kind of works in synchrony. Um, I'm realizing that's what we're starting to do with the Greensboro college program. And that, um, so I guess I'll update you on, on where, oh, Abe, he's late. I'm buying time for Albert right now. Uh, he's probably in a meeting or something. It got tied up. Um, oh, and Abe, you're also a BGG or a BJJ practitioner as well. <laughs> and what's cool about Abe, you're actually putting together data visualizations based on your uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournaments results which I think is an excellent idea as far as building out portfolios. Cause yeah, I think it is good to have like real business data so that, you know, the vernacular and the hire manager, it's not like a stretch at all for them to say, Oh, you know, you're interviewing for a sales position. Um, oh, he knows sales analytics, but having the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu um, tableau portfolio piece is an opportunity for you to kind of showcase your personal life. All right, I just got a text back from Al, so I think he's he's hopping on pretty soon. <clears throat> I've also invited um, a student on who um, has done the LinkedIn hard mode for the last 30 days. And, I mean, it's incredible to see that you guys are actually killing me on LinkedIn. Like, my LinkedIn presence, I've been so busy, I haven't been posting as much. 
And uh, just fair warning, if you guys stop posting, it kind of falls off the cliff. So I think LinkedIn is a great way for you to kind of get. Oh, here he is. <laughs> Albert Bellamy. What's up? How doing? <laughs> I just I dropped in on a line from Abe saying, talking about strangling people. I don't know. I was talking about, so he has put together a portfolio piece um, of his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu data. And I was thinking that was a really cool project to show, kind of showcase his um, personal life. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Oh, you know, stuff, nonsense. <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to count earlier how many times I'd been a guest on the show. So, Probably five or six, maybe, maybe way more than that, actually. I, th- I think officially like a guest probably four times. Okay. Um, Cause I'm not counting all the, like the Google data analytics. Interviews. That's one of the most popular episodes, by the way, Sa- really? with Sally. Oh yeah. So I was thinking, uh, I don't know if we count Hunter because I was like, am I the only person to be a guest and host? But I guess Hunter's hosted episodes now. And I think, was he like an official guest at any point or was he just kind Um, of the the gal Friday? So I've come, uh, I've kind of evolved my thinking of this, of like (laughs) students and then experts. Mm -hmm. And then Hunter is like kind of an in, in between. Yeah. He's an in betweener. he, He started in my high point university class and now he's gotten yeah. some consulting projects under him. So he's kind of like a, you know, he, he's out of the, he's, yeah, he's, well, he's, he's not in the egg. He's like a, a little bird that's like ready to start like flapping his wings. Like he's, he's, nice. he's out of the nest, but like on the branch now, he's not like Aww. fully out because he's still got uh, six months left of school. And then I think he's going to. Oh yeah. I fr- I, so I remember when he first came in, I was like, you know, we were used to kind of, you know, your students that were all seniors. And so it was right. like, oh, wait, no, he's like an underclassman, not just an undergraduate. He's like, yeah, brand new, like remembers high school. So, yeah, I got him when he was a sophomore. So he's yeah. a senior now. So we've been working for a year and a half at this point. Oh, time flies. I know. They grow up so fast. They do. <laughs> Those young minds from molding. But, but yeah, right, but so uh, I wanted to talk no, about just, LinkedIn. Um, most recently, mode. it was the, yeah, it was the hard mode challenge. So that was the fifth round. Um, damn, they pretty much all of them damn near kill me. But uh. well, so we've started using it. So um, I guess I need to. Up, I, you you know that we we launched an apprenticeship program through Greensboro College this year. Yeah. So um, we had the beta test over the summer, and we've run um, three cohorts. And I've basically been seeing the rest of this year is just a beta test. Um, what, what we've done is we've actually brought Kadisha Bryan on and she's running group calls. So it's nice. group calls Tuesdays with me, Wednesdays with Kadisha, Thursdays with Hunter. And then next year we're going to scale out even further in that. Do you remember Dan Sanchez, by the way? I think he's in the chat. I do. Yep. So he, he did our data challenge and, um, he won it and had an awesome dashboard. He was preparing for an interview. The person mm-hmm. who interviewed him has actually reached out to me and wants to join the team. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm ne- next year or yeah, next year. That's weird to say. So we're going to have four group calls and then um, kind of networking like this on Fridays. Yeah. Um, but we're so Kadisha is running the students through your hard mode challenge and it has generated three job leads within the last nice. month. And that's yeah, what, that's awesome. um, yeah, that's what Katie was saying. So the hiring manager who hired Dan was saying, um, especially for smaller companies, uh, they have a hard time finding qualified candidates, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. So her company is in the Raleigh-Durham area, 
And she says like McKinsey and Google and Amazon uh, come in and they dominate and they scoop up all of the NC State, Duke and Chapel Hill grads. So they're kind of um, struggling to where I think LinkedIn is a great conduit for those who are, you know, getting those medium to smaller size company jobs, which I personally like better. Yeah. No, that's, I I mean, that's amazing. And what we're finding at Analect is, uh, you know, we're not one of the big hitters in tech. And so a lot of our best, uh, leads coming in are just like, I, I've brought in I think four people now just with outreach on LinkedIn and had uh, quite a few more qualified candidates come in and interview that, you know, didn't get selected for whatever reason. But um, yeah, it's, if you're not a huge company and you're not projecting like hundreds of job openings or slashing hundreds of job openings as we're seeing now, I mean, if you're kind of in in a steady growth phase and it's a situation where you're going to have two, three, five jobs open at a time, not hundreds, uh, it's, I think, a better way to operate because you're not out there looking to call whole classes from uh, from the big colleges. You're looking for one person. Um, And so the the kind of you don't throw out a big net to catch one particular fish. You're going and targeting one person. Okay, so I've got a controversial take, and I I want you to eviscerate this if you think this is the wrong assumption. So I think that small to medium-sized companies actually probably pay better. Oh, I wouldn't know. Well, because so within my most recent cohort, we had one of our students um, got an offer from like a name brand insurance company. Mm -hmm. And the way that it uh, it was fascinating to see how that interview process worked, because it was essentially a cattle call. So they probably got 10,000 yeah. applications mm-hmm. and then 50,000 people showed up at headquarters. And then they just did these like batches of group interviews, gave him an offer for an entry level job at 66,000, which is lower yeah. than what my undergrads at Greensboro College are getting on average. Um, we, we told him that he needs to negotiate that up at least to 75. And then he sent an email and they're like, we're firm on that. Cause think about it. There's 49 other people who they can give that offer to and they'll probably accept. Yes. So here's the other thing. Their, their structures are rigid. Um, right. And I, so, so I do have some. Abe's backing me up. <laughs> What's up? Oh, yeah. It, yeah. So, okay. Yep. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, so when I first started, um, was just interviewing for uh, SkillBridge and was coming out of the military. I started getting courted by some big companies. Um and there was one company in particular that I won't name them, but they drive brown trucks. Um, and they, like, right from the get-go, I had literally given up my job as a battalion XO, like, April 1st. This was, like, April 5th. They were calling me on the phone. And the guy started talking to me. Initial phone call. This is not an interview. I'm, like, I'm literally standing in my front yard getting ready to go somewhere. And, and I'm holding my wife up, like, hey, I'm on the phone with logistical company. Um <laughs> And the guy was asking me what my salary ask was. At that point, I had only a hazy. I mean, you remember I was talking to you at the time. And, and so we were discussing what, what the salary ask should be and what my strategy should be. I had only a hazy indication of what I was going to want to make or what the market would bear or, or where my piece was in it. Um, and so I threw out a number 
And he said, well, we can't pay you that. Our entry-level analysts make, and it was right about what you said. I think he said 64000 um, And I was right. just sitting there, like, first of all, that turned me completely off. Like, at that point, I had zero desire to work for this company ever, uh, let alone at that point. Um, he didn't read the room well. I was not ready to talk about salary. That was our initial phone call. Like, I never talked to this company before. Um but but he flat out said, without really knowing anything about me, um, that, hey, this is where you slot in our massive company. Mm-hmm. And this is what we pay the person, the, the warm body sitting in that slot, regardless of their performance, their skill level, their whatever. Now, I'm sure that if push had come to shove and I'd actually interviewed with them and, and moved forward, there, there would have been some wiggle room there. I could have qualified for something else. When I got to Analect, um, I was getting two uh, offers from two other companies that I won't name, but they were military contractors. And they were bringing me in for, you know, the three positions that I was being offered all had different names. And so Analect came in with an initial offer and it was good. It was, you know, more than what I, you know, my kind of minimum ask. The two other companies came in over that. And... When I told Analect that, they came back and matched the offers from the other two companies. And I feel like what happened was they bumped me up one title because they said, hey, like, you know, instead of being an analyst, he needs to be a senior analyst to make X dollars. Now, that's still a bit structural. And Mm -hmm. maybe that didn't work out that way exactly. But the point is that a smaller company, there was enough flexibility to do that where they said, the the person that was hiring me said, this is a culture ad, this is a person that we need. And we're going to, you know, within reason, they weren't going to break the bank to to bring little old me in. But it was a smaller company, so they could say, hey, we don't have a specific line item with a budgeted dollar amount assigned to that. We have some wiggle room. Um, So for the right person, if they're wanting to bring you in, they can move up or down um, depending on what, what you rate or what you're worth or what they think you're worth or, you know, how you present. There's, there's all sorts of things you can do with a smaller company that maybe you couldn't do with a bigger company. Right. Well, that's, that's an interesting branding conversation because whether you're a senior entry-level analyst is really up for interpretation because you did supply chain within the army. So you've been working with data for what? Brain 10 years, 15? Yeah. Oh, the oh, sorry. The military. <laughs> the Marine Corps. There you go. Sorry. I'm I'm I'll, such I'll a take it. <laughs> but but you were doing logistics work, which is very data intensive. Yeah. So you could make the argument that, oh no, I have 15 years of experience working with data versus um, oh, I've never had the title of analyst. So uh, there's a lot yeah. of like brand positioning work that you can do, uh, which leads to the kind of the the, the juxtaposition of I had a um, in, in our career services program, which so now we're targeting people who have experience and are looking to get the promotion. So yeah. essentially, this, the person with the same each of these candidates had three years of experience. One interviewed with the big company, got a sixty six thousand dollar offer. The other one interviewed with a, a company that was seventy two million. So I, I saw that someone asked like what the side, like where the cutoff is for large business. So large business is more than a billion dollars for me. Um, medium is like between a billion and maybe, you know, a hundred million. And then small is less than hundred million. I mean, it's someone next we'll figure out next, we'll figure out what big data is. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, we need to put a whole whole live stream together for that. Hey, R but, or Python, let's go. <laughs> but okay, so so guess what yeah. the offer was from the seventy two thousand seventy two million dollar company? It was ninety five thousand. Yeah. So same same people who have comparable experience getting right. a twenty nine thousand dollar value. Yeah. I mean, that is absolute free, free market for labor. They look at a person with a skill set and a, and a range of capabilities and a projected future with the company. And they say, what is this worth to us? Rather than saying, what part of our personnel scaffolding does this person fit into? Right. Well, you know, what? I think to get even a layer deeper in the nuance there um, with the $72 million company, he was probably the first analyst they hired, or maybe the second or third. Yeah, there's so much more ambiguity there. In which case, no diminishing returns from the analytics team, you know, and it's you, and they and they know they can hold you accountable. If you are the analytics team, if analytics fails, that they know exactly who to poke. Yeah, and you know that there's no obscurity or or vagueness there. It's like you're it. We're hiring you to be. You're you're the you're the CDO for all intents and purposes. Well, that's what I've been telling my students. You can effectively position yourself at one of these smaller companies as, as the chief information officer and yep. build out the entire infrastructure. And then you want to talk about salary negotiations. You can literally pull up all the data and use that as leverage um, yeah. to get that negotiation going. All right. So, I'm tr- man, we've gotten so many comments. There was someone who asked, what is LinkedIn hard mode? So I feel like we need to read for us. <laughs> He is, it's exam week, you know, it's a very hard week. Oh, for him. Yeah. He's taking his, literally is taking his exam right now. I um, thought Hunter could just like snap his fingers and like roll in hung over and, and pass his exams at this point. <laughs> is that some sort of genius? He is very, very smart, but yeah. you know, I mean, I think this is just like very like class time. So well, he's anyway. smart enough to get himself on an analytics podcast <laughs> as a sophomore in college, which, you know, as a sophomore in college, I won't tell you what I was doing, but. It certainly yeah. wasn't worrying about my future. That's for damn sure. <laughs> that's very true. All right. So yeah. I guess break it down. What is LinkedIn hard mode? Okay. So LinkedIn hard mode started as a way for me to give advice in giant batch form. Um, and so the, the funny thing about becoming an expert or influencer on one of these goofy social media platforms is you very quickly become the person that people turn to for help. At first, I found this very flattering. Um, and I, like the sucker that I am, started trying to help everyone that asked me. Um, mm. I quickly found that this was insanely time consuming. And not only that, but once you give people something for free, they start taking advantage of you. Right. Uh, and, and so that was discouraging. The amount of time I was spending on just giving random people advice was, was kind of sucking me dry. And so I said, well, what if I could do like I used to do for my young Marines. And just if there's something I need them to learn, I don't sit there and tell them this thing over and over to one person after another. I print it out on a little laminated card. I hand it to them and I say, every time you have a question, refer to this card. And then, you know, Um, and so I thought, well, what if I had that? Because there are all these kind of unwritten rules of the LinkedIn algorithm that people don't understand. And this is you know, this has been the theme of many of our conversations before and my guest appearances. But, um, you know, the learning is kind of ever evolving. The, the algorithm is ever evolving. But there are just kind of these basic blocking and tackling rules where 
Um, you know, if you do it right, your post has a chance to succeed. If you do it wrong, your post is almost guaranteed to fail. That goes for any piece of content on LinkedIn. And then there's kind of little tricks that people don't don't know or understand that trigger the algorithm to either make make your content successful according to its merits or kind of guarantee failure. And so I got very tired of explaining these things over and over to random people that I would never hear from again. So I said, let me just design a top 10. Let's make one of these top 10 sliders, little kind of nifty Canva handouts. And I can just give that to people when they say, hey, what, what should I do to make it in the analytics world? What should I do? You know, How do you meet these contacts? How do you get jobs, et cetera, et cetera? Here's, here's where you start. I started with networking and branding. I became kind of mildly internet famous for being the, the military transition and LinkedIn guy. Um, you know, that worked for me. It got me job offers. It got me opportunities. I got free stuff that I never would have got otherwise. All good things. Um, and all I invested was time and energy. And so, so I wrote it up intending for it to be that. It was supposed to make my life easier. In an ironic twist, it did anything, but um, it has enriched my life. I will say that. So people that have completed it here, I'm not talking trash about the challenge, um, but it um, it has not saved me time. That's for damn sure. I mean, look, um, look at this. Let's look at this comment I pulled out. So Dan Sanchez yeah. is saying, for the record, I secured my first analytics job 25 days into the LinkedIn hard mode challenge. Just putting that out there. And what's for interesting sure. is now I have both perspectives on that. So I, I, I know Dan's perspective and I know Katie's because yeah. Katie was talking about how she sourced her um, applicants and it was LinkedIn. And it's interesting because it's like, these are potentially higher paying jobs than the ones that, you know, 10,000 people are applying for because it's Google or Amazon or, you know, whatever, you know, name brand company it is. I think yeah. it's just really fascinating. We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David's students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one -on -one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, th and that's, you know, people would kind of look at me sideways, well, you know, electronically. So I just imagine based <laughs> on the responses that, you know, when they come ask me, how do I get an analytics job? Uh, strangely enough, and I start talking about uh, networking and personal branding and content creation. They're just like, okay, well, when do I get to the part where I get a stack of Udemy certificates and somebody comes and finds me and says, you're brilliant because you completed the Google data analytics certificate program. So come on into our company. Um, the, the, the fact is that never happens. Um, there is no certificate in data analytics 
that makes you hireable. There is no, first of all, there's no industry standard. Second of all, um, it's not like the CPA exam. There's, there's no piece of paper that's going to qualify you to analyze data. Second of all, um, you, there's just so many elements to data analytics that are not following a script and clicking through a class. The classes are useful. They can be wonderful if you apply them the right way. They can also be useless if you apply mm -hmm. them the wrong way. Um, and so a lot of it is just on the user. And so that's why I never focus on when people come to me and say, what certificate is going to be the skeleton key to a successful data career? None of them. And, and you won't find a single expert out there to include the people selling specific certificates. There is no skeleton key. The, the difference is you and, and how you sell and brand yourself. And that's why, you know, that's why your apprenticeship is successful because you emphasize those things. And I know you, you'll go to your grave saying, I'm not a, a platform specialist. I'm not a, you know, yeah, Tableau user group and, you know, have done things with tech platforms but you're never going to define your brand by being the Tableau guy, um, or the well, that's how I started, like that. That's Absolutely, but then you evolved right. from that because I, there was a realization there that this is not my key to success. Nobody right. is going to hire because you can design. Half of these things have auto ML properties now to to include Tableau. You can automate a ton of stuff to the point where you can almost replace the human that's sitting there clicking the little bar graph into place. And you can automate your reports, same thing in Alteryx. Um, you can automate all your reports to where the operator is not purely optional, but not it's not right. necessary that they're a, you know, a brilliant analyst. Um, the analyst that has worth is the person that can not only master those platforms, but then turn those platforms to their advantage to, to brief a stakeholder, to, to show value. Because a bar graph is useless by itself. A dashboard is useless by itself. It's got to show value. Um, and we, we always used to say with PowerPoint presentations, a PowerPoint presentation is not, is not a living document. It is an enabler to the person that is presenting it. Um, right. And the minute you start leaning on the, the thing, the dashboard, the graph, the, the presentation, you have now made yourself a talking meat stick and not a thinking person. Um, and so you present your value as the interpreter of data and the, the data storyteller or, or what have you. And you're the one that pulls out the insight and the KPI and says, here's what you need to see. Um, and then everything else is an enabling tool. Right. Got way off subject there. Yeah, well, well it's, uh, it's interesting because um, it's the business acumen is it's it's really hard to teach business acumen because you like you can read case that that's the MBA approach. Yeah. I'm going to go read about what Steve Jobs did for Apple in China and getting around like privacy issues or IP or whatever. Um, but you're not there. You don't know what it's like. Like, you yeah. know, you, you don't feel the urgency. You don't feel the risk um, to where I you think can't I fake just, domain knowledge. Domain knowledge comes with experience. There's no class that can give it to you that classes can enable it. But yeah, domain knowledge is the differentiator for, for your ability to tell that data story. Um, right. And that's why consultants, like I, I kind of go, go back and forth on consultants because they're, if, they, if they're not specific to a domain, they're kind of dropping in and you bring these people in. And if they're not marketing people, 
It's like, it's going to take you longer to figure out the marketing game than it is for, for me to figure out what you're doing and just do it myself. Um, right. But going back to, to hard mode. So, <laughs> because I, I want to make sure we answer the, the original yes. question and, and not allow me to just suck all the air out of the room, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I can do. So hard mode made the, the kind of easy cheat sheet. And then just in talking to people, people were like, oh, we should do a challenge. And that appealed to me because the challenge was how I got started. Uh, and so I said, okay, well, let's see, you know, I've kind of shot that around to a handful of friends and, and like-minded folks. Uh, and I said, okay, cool. November of last year, uh, we'll do a 30 day challenge, 30 day month, November 1st to the 30th. Good to go. And I started just making some kind of video content about it and, and did a couple of polls because, you know, polls were blowing up at the time on LinkedIn. That was how you got tons and tons of impressions. So put polls out there like and, and I sold it a little bit um, and I did kind of a kind of a masterful little amateur social media marketing campaign where I was just like, hey, do, you know, do you want to increase your number of followers? Do you want to increase your outreach? Do you want to, you know, all these kind of here's the carrot, here's the carrot, here's the carrot. And it the the content worked like gangbusters and we got a lot of people. Now we didn't get a ton of people actually doing the challenge. I think that first cohort we might have started with like 50 or 60. And I think there were 25 or 30 maybe that finished. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean for the first one, nobody had ever yeah. heard of it. And I didn't know how to there was I had no lessons learned or um or plan for success on it. I was just like, hey, let's see if people like doing this. I fully expected everybody to quit, honestly. Um, other than, you know, the, the super friends like Abe and, um, you know, people that were, Abe didn't do that one, but, you know, just people that kind of had some, a relationship with me and would do it, you know, because they thought it was fun and because they were doing stuff with me, um, we would kind of have some sort of cohesive bond and, and finish it. But like the people that I met that were like, yeah, I'm interested. And then there was a whole company where they were like, Hey, our whole team of 12 people wants to do it. Um, uh, Arc so Best cool. in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I've made some lasting friends and connections out of that, including people that no longer work at ArcBest, which is pretty hilarious. But um, yeah, so that, that kind of snowballed and then that was fun. And then I fully expected like, you know, we've done, we did stuff like that. Um, you know, like the Christmas promotion and the show us your data and all of that sort of stuff. I expected it to be a one-off. I just expected it to kind of be a thing that we had fun with. And then I would just move on to the next thing. But people started clamoring to do it again. And then, um, you know, when people started playing with the name and they said, well, we need to do harder mode, which we, we did briefly. I made up a, a kind of more stringent. <laughs> Extremely hard that. mode. Yeah. <laughs> like LinkedIn extreme. Um, but so that was, you know, harder mode was was fun for a handful of the kind of hardier folks. But um, but yeah, it's kind of it hasn't grown every time. And I've been really bad about keeping data. There was one, I think like the third one. I don't think I kept a single cobbler's kids lip of data on it. Um, but yeah, now I, I kind of half-heartedly keep data on it just to tell people, you know, this last time we had, I think we had almost exactly 50% finish. Um, so oh, this wow. last, it was the fifth cohort this past month. And we started with 92 and I think we wound up with 47. Yeah. So one over one over half. Are you doing any type of group calls or anything like that? We do. Afterwards, I do. I set up like a group chat with everybody. So I have one other than cohort three. I have one group chat for every 
uh, every cohort that we've done. Um, and like most group chats, they kind of peter out a little bit over time and, and only the handful of, of people that really want to keep going. Mm -hmm. Some of them kind of turn into, you know, post support or pods or whatever you want to call them. But um, yeah, there's still some good. We've, we've talked about doing like a super group chat. So for the people that have done multiple iterations or that still show interest months and months down the road, um, I've got people that have done three or four. I think I'm the only one that's participated in all five. Um, I actually didn't finish one of them. Um, I had something happened where I missed a day on, on one of them. So nobody has completed all five. Um, but there are people that have done it three or four times. And well, I mean, we're, we're working. So here. we started about thinking like an all-star group. Yeah. Um, so, so we're, we're working you into our curriculum. So that's like every Wednesday we have a group call where they brainstorm ideas. I mean, yeah. it's, they have the added benefit of like having the curriculum that they can take notes on and be like, Oh, this was interesting. Mm -hmm. Or this was counterintuitive. Um, but then they, they can like pull up their post and then Kadisha can like say here, format it this way or add this add yeah. it, or take that out. Um, and I think having that group touch base once a week um, has really, because I, we didn't push it hard enough. Like I, I didn't make it a requirement. I was like, hey, we're, we're beta testing this new concept of working, you know, the LinkedIn hard mode into the curriculum. Um, but I mean, I see it now. It's led to, I think, three interviews. Nice. So, I mean, I'm, 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 I, it's funny because, I mean, this is an early stage startup. So I am like learning just as much as the students right now. Like every iteration we go through, um, yeah. I'm just learning more. And then also, too, I'm having like the team grow and build out to where I love that I'm having an analytics hiring manager that's going to be coaching. Cause like I, I haven't hired, well, I've hired Hunter, but that's like a little bit of a niche situation um, to where, you know, having, oh wait, we got Anna here asking, how do you get started? How do you get signed up? I see the suggestion right above that for LinkedIn legendary mode. LinkedIn like legendary mode. mode. <laughs> LinkedIn um, monk mode. Yeah. So Anna, there's no, that'd be a good one. Yeah. It's like no, no at tags, no hashtags, like wall of text. Um, yeah, that'd fail. Um, so Anna, there's no, there's no sign up. It is not, it's absolutely not uh, structured. Um, so I actually took a lot of lessons from our good friend, Ken G's uh, 66 days of data. And he has never, uh, never like formalized that he's never, he's never monetized it. He's never, never really formalized it. I think the, the most formal thing he did was get t-shirts made, um, which a lot of people are clamoring for now in hard mode. Uh, so we'll, we'll look into that, but now there's no sign up. Um, Anna, if you want to do, if you want to start today, tomorrow, whenever, uh, and, and just do 30 straight days of content and, you know, tag them all with the hashtag, you know, if you miss the hashtag once or twice, it's not a big deal, but, you got to do 30 straight calendar days of original content, no shares, no double posts of any kind to include posting in groups. Um, a lot of people don't know. I, I feel like I got to write that into the rules because a lot of people don't know that posting in your timeline and posting in a group that counts for a double post according to my rules and also according to the algorithm. You will get slammed for that um, because that's two posts in a day. Um, but yeah, post 30 straight days of, of content, one post per day all original. Um, and then just show me at the end of it and I'll give you a big thumbs up and I'll give you the link to my Calendly where you can, uh, 
you know, you can have a half hour of my time and chat with me directly. You have to join the the LinkedIn group. Um, that's where I post the link. And um, there's something else. Yeah. Anyway, usually when I put somebody on the group chat and then put them in the LinkedIn group, that's, you know, you're, you're in the Cool It Club at that point. So, um, and then you can sign up for half hour to just shoot the breeze with me. Or the other offer is I have so many uh, old t-shirts that I refuse to throw away that I have offered to send you a randomly selected old t-shirt of mine. Um, I've only ever had one person take me up on that. Wow. So fancy. It's, right. I mean, it's clean. They're not, I washed them. So it's not no, gross. I need the sweat stains for authenticity's sake. No. I don't sweat. <laughs> All right. So we've got a ton of chats. Um, what I'm going to do is pull. So I have two students. It's funny. Corey is like not. He's. I can see the ch empty chair right now. <laughs> but I'm going to pull the two. This two students on who have, who have gone through this over the last thirty days. Okay. Um, and we can do a Q and A, and that'll give me some time to kind of get caught up on some of the chats because talk, talking to you and then also monitoring the chat log. It's like too much. It's exhausting. Right. Oh, I hate doing that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Corey's hey, if you back. only get one shirt, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so just to kind of kick things off, so Corey, you had a huge hit either last week or the week before, where one of your posts got what 169 engagements on it, yeah, something like that. I did good I, work. A, a couple of posts got some a lot of impressions. Um, it was a really fun uh, challenge to to uh, to participate in. Um, it was. I really enjoyed the structure of it and, and knowing that it's a challenge and that I need to post every day. So kind of getting yeah. myself in the mindset of, I have to do this. And I did, I did really well. Um, got a lot of, uh, gained a lot of connections, gained a lot of friends and I really enjoyed it. I did not finish the entire 30 days. I did. I think I got like 24 days and I was posting at nighttime mostly, like after my family went yeah. to bed and all that. And one day I just like fell asleep, didn't get a post out. And uh, <laughs> and then after that, it was so easy to just not do it anymore. I'm like, ah, I missed it. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. And then I just never did it. So I did like 24 days. Yeah. It was awesome. And I look forward to doing it, doing it again and actually completing it. So it's and it's funny because I noticed that you and I think some of the other apprentices were were doing that kind of posting ghosts just right before bed. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually put out some content about that, like and I kind of refuse to expand the rules of the challenge just because I think there's a nice symmetry to it. There's 10. There are 10 basic rules about the content of your post. And then, you know, in kind of a military pun, I say there's three rules of engagement and that's the emphasis on the R because they all start with R. Um, I don't want to expand that. I don't want the thing to become like overly complex. I like the, the symmetry of 10. However, I do put out content throughout the challenge during most of the cohorts where I talk about mistakes that I see people making and what what I would do to correct them or, you know, kind of what you're doing wrong. So that was a big one. Um, and I hadn't seen that trend before much. We've, we've had one or two people that will do the nighttime post. I have a very good friend and a very good content creator who posts and ghosts on LinkedIn and YouTube. And it drives me insane because this person is amazing. Their content is amazing. And I really, really wish they would 
engage a little bit more because it would make all their stuff way more successful. But um, yeah, if I could add a rule or or tag one thing on, it would be you, the success of your post depends largely on the engagement that you do within the first hour or two after you click post. And so posting right before bed does two things, both of which are bad. Number one, it means that you're going to bed, so you're not there to to boost it and to engage with the people that are that are reacting or or commenting. And number two, if you're going to bed, your audience is probably going to bed too. So you know most most people that you're talking to are like you or or you know more or less like you. Um, so unless you're posting specifically for the audience in EMEA or India or Africa or, or mm. Australia, something like that. You're, most of the people you're talking to are going to be in or around your time zone. So if you're posting at 10 o'clock at night, the vast majority of the people that might respond to you or the people that are in your connection circle, they're going to bed too. All right, so, so you really handicap your content and make it very difficult to be successful by, by posting and ghosting at any time, but specifically right before bed because nobody's there to see it. Enforced. All right. So King asks a question. He says, Al, whenever I suggest to someone to start posting on LinkedIn, I enc encounter extreme resistance slash fear. Have you experienced this yep. reaction and how do you overcome this hurdle? I mean, how do you, <laughs> I spent 23 years trying to get over my own fears and to, and to get my Marines to get over there. So, um, I, there's just, an almost limitless number of tactics to to try and get people to to reach down and grab their courage. Um, I think you created a structure though for them to follow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, rules are liberating. That's just that's, that's just a th anybody in the in the military or with as as a veteran, you know this. But rules are liberating because what's the worst thing you can have? Paralysis by analysis. You, you step up right. to the CVS counter. And you've got a, a hankering for candy and there's 250 options there. You're going to stand there for 10 minutes. If you, if you go to the supermarket and there's 10 options there, you can pick right away. Mm. Right. Um, and it, it doesn't occur to you that you're like, Oh crap, I don't have the take five bar here that I would have at the CVS counter. It's simpler. It's more liberating. You're just like, I know I like Snickers and you go. Right. And so the, the rules of the challenge they they liberate you. So my son just walked in. Um, <laughs> and <cute>. so <laughs> he's back from college. Um, so anyway, uh, I've thrown off now. But just okay, rules are liberating. Yeah, you blew my mind. Having left and right lateral limits. This is something for him to hear too. Dang it. Um, ha having a what we used to call left and right lateral limits in the military is it's great. Because now you're not picking where you're going to point your weapon. You know, it's got to be right here. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's having less choices and just saying you can only do this many hashtags. You can only do this many at tags. Post at a consistent time. Um, you know, post along some certain um, content guidelines or bins, which I didn't really enforce this time. But anyway, it's just a good idea because um, you got to keep on brand. All of those things will focus you. And we'll make it easier. And then, you know, it's almost like removing the complete accountability. Um, you're posting, you're putting LinkedIn hard mode on there. There's a bunch of other people doing it with you. So you've got that group thing that, that reinforces. Um, and you're kind of acting on my, my wise guidance. Uh, 
So it, it takes a little bit of that fear away. I mean, you got me here saying, um, saying it's good. You know, it'll work. I've I've seen it happen a million times. If you keep doing it this way, you'll be successful. Uh, so yeah, all, all of those things will help people overcome their fear. But I've had to give people pep talks to to create content on LinkedIn, like because you know you get to care about somebody and you're like you're invested in their ability to get a job and just succeed professionally. And this is the way that I see to succeed professionally. It worked for me. I want everybody to get a piece of that goodness. I mean, that, mm -hmm. you're not taking my job. You, you know, there's a job opening out there for you, and it's, it makes me happy to help you find it. Right, because Corey, you said you've got what three interviews lined up. You already just got through the first round of one. Correct. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, because I pulled up one of your messages. You were talking about how like. Um, you just feel so much more motivated now, like getting out there. I think posting on there reinforces the, the behavioral pattern because then it's like, all right, well, number one, you've made a commitment to me that like, you, okay, you paid for the program. So like you're, you're obligated to number one, go to the Wednesday session. And then if you miss that, it's like, well, you know, there's, there's, there's a you wasted there. your money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then also too, I'm going to get, I'm going to bust your chops a little bit, you know? So there's, but then also too, you posting, you have all these people commenting that, on, on your posts that are really supportive. And I think maybe that's where a lot of the fear comes from is that you're worried that you're just going to get eviscerated in the comment section. Cause it's not YouTube. Yeah. Like right. the amount of like, Hey, I get on this YouTube channel <laughs> and I'm not even that big. Like I can only imagine what like Alex, the analyst and Kenji and like the people that are up above a hundred thousand. Um, oh, yeah. Cause the YouTube comment section is accessible. LinkedIn though. Um, it's not anonymous. No, uh, it's not anonymous. No, so no, you're like, right. I, I yeah. see the ones that I see the people that have like uh, that have spam accounts that take like I commented on some of Alex's videos. Yeah. People would take have spam accounts that they've built with his picture. But they're trying to like sell you crap in the comments of his video. I'm like, uh, yeah, I mean, next level scammery. <laughs> well, yeah, it, and it's but LinkedIn is not anonymous. It's the, the YouTube is an entertainment platform. LinkedIn is a professional networking platform. So like your name, you're not anonymous. Your name is tied to it. So if someone is like a total asshole to you in the comment section and they do that on repeat, that's going to potentially prevent them from getting jobs because they're the their, their manager or potential hiring manager is going to look at that and be like, oh, man, this person is terrible. Uh, like that, I'm not going to do that. And I'm, and I guess there's some, there's probably some like controversy. I, I know that in the like uh, data tuber space, they do like fake controversy, but there's, it's not, it's like, you know, it's like a silly rivalry. You mean, you mean like a fake beef cooked up between <laughs> Ken G and Alex Freeberg by, by some wayward intern at, at a rival channel? No. Yeah. Let's say it ain't so. So yeah, you're not, you're not going to That be... might've been my master stroke of <laughs> social media manager. Man I managed to cook up a, an argument between two other YouTube channels and their content creators out of thin air. <laughs> Was that the uh, power? Was that the power BI is better than Tableau thing or whatever? I don't think it was anything. I think it was just like they, one of them said something and the other one said something else. And I was like, are they beefing? And then it just grew legs. And that like, they were like on air, you know, jokingly, but denying that there was any beef. And so every time they addressed it, I was like, oh no, we're, we're doubling down. <laughs> <laughs> the beef is real. 
It was like right. a great conspiracy theory. It's like every time they deny that there's a beef, it's just proof of how deep the beef really is. <laughs> you got, you've got evidence. Yeah. Okay. Eventually, I, so, I had to, I gave puff the brakes on it. It was just, but it was hilarious to me while it was going on. So, so Corey's in the career services program. Kamar, you're in the apprenticeship program, which is much longer. Um, I'm kind of curious. Kamar, I, I, you're, you're like transitioning into this space to where Corey's already gotten a job and is looking for a promotion. Yep. Um, what, what has been your experience with the LinkedIn hard mode? Cause I think you, um, you said that it's been pretty positive, right? Yeah. Like I think it's positive. Um, I've dropped off the hard mode. Um, but oh, no. yeah, I dropped off from the beginning. Um, but I could say the, the things that has helped me do is be consistent. Um, mm-hmm. that was a thing that I, uh, gleaned from the hard mode because before, before I came into the apprentice thing, I, I never looked at my LinkedIn account and it was funny. The, the phone call that uh, we had, you said, yeah, your LinkedIn is pretty shit. <laughs> I didn't yeah. use those terms. <laughs> no, you did, man. <laughs> okay. Maybe I did. Yeah. So and- the first time I got a profile review that the guy like live on a, on a webinar with like 150 people watching. So he saw my profile. And he's like, wow, this sucks. Yeah. So- and, Hey, so I, sometimes it's that punch in the face that gets you to, you know, to get up. I think what I said is we have a lot of opportunity here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you did say we yeah, could I was say John David yeah, is usually it, it can only go up. <laughs> but the, the, I already knew because like um, I had created it way before and in my line of work that I was doing, I didn't need it. Um, but with this transition, um, and since my bad taste with Facebook and other platforms, I was reluctant. And the thing that um, you turned me on to was like, check this out, check out hard mode. And I was like, okay, um, I know I don't have the time to do it as much as um, it was requiring, but what can I glean from it? And the gleam was consistency and uh, being productive. And basically you're advertising yourself in a different way. And those are the things that I, I took from it and just try to continue to do. Yeah. So that brings up an awesome point. And thank you. It's almost as if I teed you up for, <laughs> for saying that. So I set up the chat, the group chat for the cohort five uh, people that completed it the other day. And I, I just kind of had some, some sort of parting words for them um, based on the discussion that they were having and so, you know, I'm, I'm an analyst. I like to see what the percentages are. So I love to see, hey, about 50% of the people that started finished it. That's pretty good. That means, that means it's challenging, but not impossible. I like that. Um, and I know people dropped for all sorts of reasons. Um, the vast majority of people that dropped, dropped within one week. Uh, so the average number of days for those that didn't complete it, that were on it was six so that tells me there's there's not a lot. And there were a few outliers at the high end that were dragging that up. Um, so that tells me that, you know, most people just find it distasteful right off the bat. That's fine. Awesome. You know, it's not for everybody. What I tell the people that completed it is, hey, you you probably are not going to keep up daily posting for the rest of your days or, or for as long as we have LinkedIn as a platform. Um and nor should, will most of you want to or need to. Uh, I choose to do it because it's, it's a good, I like it as a creative outlet. I like it as a, you know, as a networking method. 
but I miss days too. Um, so, you know, it's a 30 day challenge in which you fail if you don't post any day, that's over. And so now the thing is, you know, if you choose to continue daily content creation, awesome. Some people do, um, probably about 10% from what I've seen of the people that finish it, continue to create content daily as a habit. Um, most people kind of settle into a, a cadence of a couple of times a week. That's fine too. If that's, you know, if you have more limited goals of what you want to get out of the platform, awesome. I would say if you want to maximize the use of LinkedIn, putting something out there every day is the way to go. However, what I would say is if you're if it's three months from now till your next post, I question what you learned from the challenge. Because you know, like like a good diet that's for a temporary duration, the point is not that you eat like this for the rest of your damn life. The point is that you're trying to set in place a set of habits that you can deviate from within some, some acceptable range, but that these are your baselines from here on out. Um, I did 75 hard and have continued. There's phases to it. If you choose to keep going into a challenge called live hard that lasts for a year. Um, and you kind of go on, go off. There's 75 days to start. And then there's like, various 30 day increments of different challenges with it. I won't go into great detail, but the point is not do awesome for 30 days and then do shit for a month. Um, the point is not, you know, you quit drinking alcohol for 30 days. You don't immediately start binge drinking on day 31. Um, the, the point is, hey, these are habits. <clears throat> and the no alcohol is to show you, hey, you can go long periods of time without booze and you won't die. Um, you can go into social situations because you're not skipping parties or, or social events. You can go into social situations and not drink and you won't die and you won't have a terrible time. But, you know, if you want to drink in moderation afterwards, awesome. If you turn into a complete alcoholic, I would say you probably missed the point of the challenge. Same thing with hard mode. If you, if you go to the polar opposite extreme and say that was fun, but I'm never doing it again, which some people have done, I would say you didn't learn much. Because the point is to teach you the value of the platform and how to create content that succeeds. Yeah. I, I see that because I have pulled off of posting. And if it's interesting because the engagement statistics just fall off a cliff. Yeah. Um, Momentum is huge with, right. with the algorithm. Um, it, it counts for a lot. Right. I'm in a little bit of a different position in that um, – I struggle with LinkedIn because of the recency effect of like, I'm, I'm talking to people who've listened to the podcast for 150 hours. It's like I, the return on investment from time from the podcast is so much higher than LinkedIn. Um, I am exploring potentially having a, a PR firm come in, but I think basically LinkedIn is like hustle. Like it's like hustle luck. Like you, you do it enough, you hustle and then it brings opportunity to you to where I think there's a, a point where it kind of peaks and then it's like you want to get into like structural systems thinking. Um, but I think that this is a really essentially to recap, I think that there are high paying jobs that are essentially hidden within LinkedIn that, <laughs> that are not, there's just an ant. <laughs> uh, they're high paying jobs that are essentially hiding on LinkedIn that are not, shiny they're not you know the name brand companies in the world but if you do a solid job of building a brand 
um, you kind of become a beacon to where they are going to come to you. And yeah, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting that a lot of them are paying higher than the bit name brand companies. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of it is a numbers game. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you can, you can absolutely put you in a, put yourself in a position to receive good things, um, you know, to, to be a provider of, of help to other people. Um, but it's, it's a numbers game. I have mm -hmm. 7,000 connections and 21,000 followers. There's zero chance that every one of them is going to yield something positive for me. In fact, the vast majority of them I don't hear from ever. They're never going to offer me a job. They're never, they're going to give me any free stuff and vice versa. I'm not, I'm not going to provide anything other than hopefully clever content to the vast majority of them. Um, I've, I've gotten job offers for a couple of people that I've met on LinkedIn. Um, but it's, it's a big numbers game. If, you know, Kamar, I'm looking at Kamar's uh, profile right now, 211 connections. Okay. If, if Kamar and I are both connected to John David Ariansen, he's got two jobs to give out and we both, and he gets one job and I get the other one. Awesome. His network of 211 connections has just yielded the precise same benefit that my network of 7,000 connections has provided me because we, we just happened to be connected to the one guy that had jobs to give out and we were qualified and we knew the guy and, you know, and, and it all worked out. Um, but there's a far better chance that a bigger network is going to have a bunch of John David Ariansons and not, you know, maybe one, just, um, just one. That, that just people that can provide something for you. Sorry, I'm just fluffing your ego at this point. The thing that I was happy about was getting uh, more insights um, yeah. because, um, yeah, I didn't really know too much about this career. I actually, I came across John's stuff from, um, a video he did with you about um, going through nice. the, the Google certificate thing. And oh, cool. I had, I had some of the same feelings about it while going through. And so I decided to put it on pause and come through doing this because yeah. I saw uh, additional benefits that that wasn't giving me. And I would say that um, making use of my LinkedIn account, I got connected with uh, other analysts as well that I could ask questions to. And yeah. what do you think of this question? Yeah, I, th I think that. Post wanna... Oh, yeah. I mean, I post mine just about everywhere I go. Yeah. If, if, if you, we, what we can, I was just thinking about this actually of how, how I can add more value to the students of like, if they join, you can post your LinkedIn link and then everyone that's like, we've got 30 people joining here all at each other. Start, start kind of building that network effect. So, yeah. yeah. I don't Fernando, think you, you for, can't hyperlink in the YouTube chat. But... Oh, you can't? Oh, no. That's annoying. But I mean, you can cut and paste. Oh, true. Yeah, feel free to feel free to uh, cut and paste in there. Um, I do think that's a really good idea. Um, no, but yeah. I do that everywhere I go. Like if you do a Zoom call or something, and it's a big networking event. I'll I'll drop my link in there like every fifteen minutes because people miss it. Yeah, well, I think what um, the frame in which I think is the right way to think about it is you have a digital footprint. You know, when they when they Google you, yeah. how are they? How are you going to show up? Um, and then also like, what are you affiliated with? And then just trying to make that as big as possible. Cause you're right. It's a numbers game. Like you, you have no idea like what piece of content is going to get in front of the right eyes. Uh, I guess what you do have control over though, is how you communicate. And I think that's, 
how do you touch about on that very much? Like the how to how to brand it, how to position it in the marketplace. That's a lot more. I mean, that's just kind of the the follow on stuff. Um, it's just it's not simple enough to kind of encapsulate in a in a rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I actually did a video once where if I didn't do it, I thought about doing it. Um, where I just talked about, hey, if you look, if you suck at writing. Like, I'm not going to teach you how to English. Um, if, if you suck at writing, that's something you need to address on your own. And the only way to get better at that is to write a ton of stuff and and be critical and, you know, and get good reviews from people that are good writers. Um, but that that is a long and involved process. And so I don't promise anybody success from the challenge. And I've definitely had people that kind of came in, were not, were not confident at all in their writing. It showed they, they started doing very minimalist stuff, just like a meme and, and like three words. Um, and that's why I kind of put a, a content minimum requirement on there at one point. Um, but that's kind of the only way to fail really is I've, I've had people that were bad writers that came in and just, you know, just let it all hang out. Just, fired off with the typos and the, the grammatical errors and the it's it's kind of endearing um as long as it's not like difficult to read it's yeah. you know you don't have to be shakespeare and and who can't who can't write a facebook post right i'm not saying everything that on linkedin should be like emotive or you know don't do like pictures of your dinner or any of that silly stuff but you know who can't just sit there and talk about like hey i had a bad day at work today here's why I had conflict with a person and blah, 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 blah. And, and I've got to work with them on this project. You can be oblique about that. And so that you're not hurting anybody's feelings or talking trash about your employer, but still appeal to people that are going through similar situations. Everybody has these same situations at work. you got that person that pisses you off. You've got that person that, you know, that boss that's constantly kind of nitnoid poking at you and micromanaging you. Just talk about that stuff. You don't have to be a brilliant writer to do that. Right. I'm starting to see kind of, I hate to use the corporate jargon of synergy, but I, I see how we kind of um, work together in that in the program, I have one-on-one coaching calls with these students. So for example, Kamar is an illustrator, animator, like yeah. animator. Yeah. I, I I messed up the Marines in the army and now the <laughs> illustrator and the animator. <laughs> I'm off my game, but okay. So you're an animator. So you know, graphic design really, really well. So with that knowledge, if I have 15 years of graphic design going and finding specifically data visualization jobs, that that is transferable over because you and what you can do instead of like making a text post, make it visual like you recently studied. So you live in is it the Bronx right now? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. So you live yeah. in Brooklyn and then you studied um, the traffic um, like accident. Oh. Yeah, and that was visually laid out. It looked like something that would be in like a newspaper. Like it was so visually just neat and organized and like very um, you're communicating. Like, I, I think you had a little bit of text in the post, but like what you're doing is you're leaning on your brand point of I am an expert in understanding animation and visual design. And, and that is front and center of a lot of the posts, because I think you're posting what twice a week at this point. Yeah, I, I try to keep up twice a week and um, I try to work out the design. I try to, it was a, a combination of comments that you had made on, um, I think, one of my first uh, Power BI posts. 
mm-hmm. and you asked a couple of questions and I, I was like, oh, why didn't I think about it? And then after that, I basically, I tried to just take the criticism and make that a part of my next post. Like yeah. I need to do better that way. Um, and just continue to do that. I'm just looking at it as um, each time I post something, I try to make an improvement from the last post. Uh, that's that's a great frame of reference there. Growth mentality, like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So I, I see you getting uh, involved in the chat over here. Paul's. Oh, I'm just so excited. Paul is here. <laughs> Paul has been. Uh, she's taken a bit of a LinkedIn hiatus herself. I, I talked to her the other day. She's uh, she's super busy. But, oh, that's sweet. All right. Yeah. So we're. <laughs> Paula is, over... is one of my favorite people that I met through the challenge. Yeah. Actually, uh, maybe so... I met her through the show. I don't remember what, what came first. I think it was oh. the show. She was okay. she was a fan of the show back when I was working on it. And then oh, yeah. She's been, she's been super active in our chats. Paula, I appreciate okay. you. Also, look at her promoting our, our stuff. She's saying give this, this live stream a like. I appreciate I, that. I will tell you, like, <laughs> it is a... It is a human tragedy that Paula is not as active on LinkedIn because her content was amazing. Um, like value added. Like you want to unpack so. that a little. Like what makes? Okay, so this is a conversation I had with Ian, who is uh, mm. coming on board with us, and he's so he's blown up. He's gotten about thirty thousand subscriber or followers in the past six months. So he he's actually in North Carolina too, of all, of all places. He's like oh, twenty yeah. minutes out of, outside of Greensboro. Who is um, this? I don't think I missed this one. Ian, uh, I cannot pronounce his last name. He was in the chat here. I can pull in. Um, yeah, I can pull in his name. So what? Yeah, this is so Ian Kluskowitz. I don't know. Okay. Seems Eastern European. But yeah. Um, so his advice is, or what he's saying is the key to his rapid trajectory is that everything he does is value additive in some way. So you said that Paul's content was really value additive. Like what what is what is kind of can we lift the hood up there? And like what do you mean when you say that? Because I think a lot of people don't explicitly understand that. Yeah. So, I mean, Paula is not many people are equipped to to write like Paula writes. So she's number one is a kind of deep and and strategic thinker. So she she sees the forest that doesn't miss the forest for the trees. Anyway, um, she kind of sees she sees the matrix. Uh, you okay. Get with that one. But, um, you know, and can just can just in, in a fascinating way kind of pull these seemingly dislike elements together and, and weave something that's just thought provoking and, and interesting. Um, a lot of it, you know, kind of data domain related. Um, so a lot of it very professionally relevant, but a lot of it just sort of life observations. And yeah, it's just, you, it's rare that you find that, that level of where the content is both professionally relevant and just tremendously enjoyable to read. And then, also spurs you to respond. And that's the kind of the big thing is you you almost want to write it in sort of an open-ended way where it's not just, you know, because sometimes people will just look at a post and it's brilliantly well-written and at the end they'll just go, great post. Um, Because you've just written it in such an encapsulated way that it's like, I don't require any of your input audience. Um, You know, here, here is my magnum opus you know, observe it and tremble, and then you just you just go away. Um, so it's a limit to how well that's going to do, unless it's like super viral, like meme-worthy, share-worthy kind of thing. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. I, well, okay, so Kadisha has talked about this and that there are different types of posts. Like, Corey, I, you've leaned really far into the memes. You love yeah. making memes. <laughs> like, the, I don't know. Do you, is there like a meme generator you use, by the I, way? Because it's like text, bottom text, lower text, and then some <laughs> image. <laughs> no, Kadisha had, um, she shared uh, a link to a website that you can do it off of. There's I, a bunch. Yeah. Um, the ones with yeah, the videos? Like or image <laughs> yeah. flip or, oh, so yeah, there's a bunch of them. The ones with you the videos search, are hilarious. Like meme generator. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Definitely. Um, yeah, just trying to get some some pictures out there. I think that was my mindset was that, you know, you want to attach a picture or video or, or some sort to your post to get more views. And, um, yeah, so when I'm not doing technical stuff, I needed to come up with something to, to share. So, yeah. Leaned into the memes is fun. Um, you know, it's been pretty successful for me. Yeah, and I, that was one of those kind of in-stride pieces of advice I gave was like, hey, don't, not everything has to be a kind of a weighty tome of, uh, of you know, rock solid content. Um, every once in a while, you know, once once or twice a month, I'll, I'll put out a picture of the book I'm reading and a cup of coffee and that, that hits like crazy because it's just relatable and, you know, and it's never, you know, the book's never trashy. It's, you know, fiction, nonfiction, but it's something, you know, it's something that people can look at and go, oh yeah, I've read that book or that's interesting or no Harlequin novels. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't do like 50 shades. No Fabio pictures on the, on the back yeah. cover. <laughs> Corey, yeah. you had to, cause you, you took a picture with your son and we're talking I, about like what you were doing the, during the day, right? Yeah, I did. I was posting. So that was another thing I post about. I was posting about um, on Sundays, I usually watch football. So I had to try to tie that in with data. So, yeah, I posted a picture yeah. from the sun, but we, I'm, we're big Broncos fans. So I'm like, I'm sorry. It's kind of rough. <laughs> yeah, it's been a rough year. So I still am giving some love on social media. But, yeah, yeah, we're it's still fun. But my team's not not in the best position. Yeah, I just try to relate my posts to stuff that I do every day. So if I'm doing something and it may not be um, like I might not think it's super interesting, but when I'm trying to create content and I just kind of want to share like an insight to my life and other people react to that and that kind of helps get the creative juices going, um, you get you get more reactions and comments off of things that you wouldn't necessarily think would be huge hits and mm -hmm. it's a learning process just, but being active on it was um, beneficial to my um, career search and all that. So it's been, it's been really fun. All yeah. right. So Al, I know I want to be respectful of your time. I know we've gone over an hour at this point. I did want to ask you about your collaborations with Ryan Forrest. Is that still, I haven't seen him in a month. I don't know if well, you have, if you have time, I don't want to take up any more. Yeah. So we both got insanely busy at the same time, um, which which in a way was kismet because it was just, you know, it wasn't one of us dragging the other one down. We both just got got swamped. I had a uh, an account that had been kind of roadblocked and then suddenly the roadblock cleared. So there was just a ton of catch up work to do on it. Um, and then at the same time, I think he got a big account in, so there was just tons and tons of legwork to be done. I think his business died. 
the, the last yes. month. More than yeah. double, maybe. It was it was big, big dollar numbers um, for what he was telling me. So I haven't seen. Yeah, we usually meet at least once a week. I haven't seen. Yeah. Him. No. He's, okay. So he's for those wants. of you who are who are listening, so Ryan Forrest is one of my good good friends. Um, he runs uh, a company called Fungi Marketing. Who actually built my website and uh, also yeah. did quite a bit of my marketing. And he collaborated with Al on a YouTube channel. I think was it Data Driven Demand. So it was marketing. It was, yeah. So it was. We kept his old channel, which is Data Driven Demand Generation. Um, mm-hmm. And so, which is kind of funny because we were sort of looking at it, and it was like uh, my my personal channel and his channel had like almost the exact same number of subscribers, uh. and we're just like. You know, so, but I mean, he, he had a brand name for his mind was just, you know, Albert Bellamy. So, um, and I did want to, you know, this is kind of, it's kind of funny for a thing that is at best a, a notional company, um, that we had to sit there and go, okay, so who's, what brand is this going under? Like who's, Mm -hmm. what do we need to be respectful of? And, and kind of, Hey, what catastrophic success, we make a bunch of money off of this, like where, where is this going um, right. and who's getting the money? Um, so anyway, <laughs> funny having those conversations at a point where it's like, we don't even have a, a, a profit driver at this point. Hey, we it don't starts have with a dream. It starts it with does. a dream. Yeah. Or at least <laughs> I've heard. Um, so anyway, we, yeah, we aligned it under the data-driven demand generation um, because, and he also had a stream of content that was a year old, but that was along those same lines where he talked about, using Google analytics. And, and so we were sort of continuing that stream, but it wasn't like either one of us has this audience and brand where we're building on this established name. Um, so yeah, it was just, uh, we started working through just how do you start, how do you start a business with regards to digital marketing and branding? Um, yeah. So there, there are plans to have a product, which is kind of half baked at this point, um, there are plans to um, to do sales through a website, which exists, but uh, is not is not anything to look at at this point. And so we kind of got into how do you use Mailchimp? How do you use um, how do you develop an email list? How do you how do you direct people? How do you build a funnel? You know, mm-hmm. direct people to your your website or whatever your conversion mechanism is. Um, all things that I had to learn very quickly in coming into marketing analytics. Um, all things that he knows very well. Um, granted, I'm at a, while it is a smallish company for the tech sector, it is a much bigger company than, than his or any of the ones he's working with. Um, and, and meanwhile, I'm kind of learning small company stuff as well. So very interesting, ties a whole lot of lines of effort together for me, um, you know, kind of provided a vehicle for him to, to continue on on his his sort of trunk. He's such an entrepreneur. Journey. Yeah. He's got like what? He's got the bakery. He's got the, yes. the, the new That cracks me up every time. I was like, how do you own a bakery? Like, what, how is because, that on brand? Because the founder of our co-working space was like, hey, I've got a really exciting business opportunity for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think it's, it, I think it's, it, I just enjoy working with smaller businesses yeah. because it's, there's so much more um, like, there's so much more wiggle room. So yeah, like working with the big companies, it's like everything is just very um, productized. It's it's very organized and it's like you do this one thing and then he does this other thing and she does this um, to where you can actually have your ideas enacted when you're working with a smaller business. Yeah. 
but I guess it's a value. Yeah, there's not so many layers of vetting. Um, and there's, so I'm involved in developing the Veterans Business Research Group within Analect. And then Analect is part of this kind of umbrella corporation called Omnicom, which is this massive marketing and media giant. Um, and so just in developing this thing, we started it at, at Analect. Now we're kind of uh, expanding it to some of our sister agencies, which are technically other companies, but they're under the same org. And just working through kind of the bureaucracy that now you have to, now you're working through the DEI of this other company and this other company to your right. And you have to talk to this person and this person, and you have to bring them all in on meetings. And then how, you know, how do you schedule stuff? Um, that's just kind of a, a, yeah. a bureaucratic problem that I'm not used to working at Analect, which is, you know, we have 250, 300 some employees in the United States and I think 1500 in India. So. Awesome. Okay. So we, we're, we've rattled on for an hour and 17 we minutes. Have. Um, I mean, you have, it's been an hour and 10 for me. Oh, that's true. I had to buy some time. You did. No, I was, I just, I just monologued for seven minutes. Awesome. Well, I just mentioned that um, I'm starting to do jujitsu um, to kind of get oh, cool. me back into the uh, beginner mindset. So I can kind of yeah. relate to the students better, but um, Albert Bellamy, thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. And I, it looks like we like Corey got dropped, but Kamara, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate. It. Yeah, um, thanks, man. thank you guys. Yeah, and then everybody in the chat, thank you so much. Um, it was cool that, that uh, you, you and Paula have connected, and you guys like really know each other. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody, and I'll see you guys in the next live stream. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.